Welcome to Tales from the Dance Floor, a podcast exploring the lives and times of people from all walks of life who followed their passions and made careers out of DJing, producing, parties, dance culture, and the music industry. I'm Phil Morse from Digital DJ Tips. Let's get started. I'd like to welcome, by the wonders of old technology, Mark Vandenberg, otherwise known as Mark Loved Up, who people of a certain age from a certain part of the United Kingdom especially will be nodding along saying, it's Mark from the Loved Up Twins. Welcome to the, uh, welcome to the podcast, Mark. Uh, thank you very much, Phil. It's, it's an absolute honour and pleasure. Thank you so much. It's, uh, it's great to have you here, and it's good to talk because we were, we were in the same place doing the same thing for a good 10 years back there in the... Uh, in the 90s and never met which i find very strange but then again yeah, we yeah yeah i think i think our paths crossed occasionally as we were sticking up posters in various uh, dodgy establishments and uh, trying to encourage uh, uh, people to come to our, our nights but yeah we, we never really actually sat down and had a drink or a good chat did we it's no just, we didn't well odd part of the joy of running a podcast is is uh, is to, is to do these things albeit a couple of decades on so so mark welcome uh, listen you you've got a great story which we're going to dig into um and i think mm. i think um, well there's two real big things that that, that i think are interesting about about mm. your path the first is kind of leaving your home country uh, to yes. to come and dive headfirst into the rave scene of the 90s in, in, in England, which was a wonderful place to be, of course, at the time. But the second thing is a very successful yes. pivot into being one of the top wedding DJs in the United Kingdom now. I mean, you, to some people, yes. they're two sides of a DJing coin that, you know, don't, you know, some people would think, wow, how can you manage to be both? And, and that's what I'd like to explore in the next... Oh, uh, thank you. No worries. In the next 40 minutes or so. So, but first, let's go right back to the beginning. Mm. You have a, you had a DJ partner for a long time, Adrian. You were known as yes. Mark and Adrian Loved Up, L-U-V-D-U-P. Yes. So uh, it doesn't take a genius to work out that that was all to do with the, the rave scene and smiley culture and uh, the fun times back in the 90s. But I'd like to know how you guys met and what had you leaving your native South Africa to come to rainy Manchester <laughs> yes indeed rainy Manchester indeed rainy and windy um, so I, I grew up in Cape Town in South Africa and um, I, I started DJing at the age of 15 um, it, a typical story the spotty specky kid in the corner who collects records and you get to a certain age and you start having parties and who's going to do the DJing it's going to be that spotty specky kid and sits in the corner um, and it is, it is and it, it, that's what it originates it's really all about the music it was always and always has been all about the music I, I, have, I love music I collect music from a very young age you know on the way back from school I used to cycle to school and it used to be a good hour drive I used to go back past about four record shops on the way and I used to stop virtually every single day in every single record shop and see what was new <laughs> and, and, and in those days obviously you had the listening station so you could listen to the records and then, you know they ask him can you put that away I get my pocket money at the end of the week and I can buy it then and so yeah so I started playing the records at these parties and I, I started doing quite well and started a mobile disco with some friends of mine um, and that again did really really well we, you know we did things properly we built all our own speaker boxes we built our own um, sort of turntable and mixer systems we built our own lighting and all, you know, everything was hand built uh, in, in South Africa, we couldn't really buy that sort of stuff. Um, and, and, and if we could, it was really expensive. But we had an amazing sound, amazing lights, and you know, everybody loved us. We played the right sort of music at the right time. 
Um, when I finished school in, I finished school at the end of 1982 and went to university in 1983. Our school year ends in sort of December. Um, and at that time, uh, I, I, just before I, I sort of um, finished school, I, I started going clubbing. So at the age of about 17 or so, I started going clubbing. And uh, it was one of the first multiracial nightclubs in South Africa. They'd found a loophole in the law which allowed them to um, have uh, a multicultural uh, nightclub. Uh, because in those days, those sort of things were not allowed at all. Um, and uh, one of the things that how they could get around this is by not serving alcohol. So it was it was a, 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 essentially a reggae club uh, with an incredible sound system run by a mixture of South Africans, Mauritians, and uh, English people, um, and it was absolutely amazing. And and that sort of gave me my first taste of, of sort of club culture. We also had a, a real thriving um, band scene in, in, in Cape Town at that time. Um, a lot of punk bands um, and a lot of African sort of jazz, uh, j- jazz jive bands as well. And so I used to attend a lot of those sort of concerts as well. Um, so I finished school and I, the club that I used to go to w- was eventually arrested out of existence by the police um, and closed down. But someone uh, I, I knew then took over the space and asked me to be the resident DJ at, at the club they were going to open up in that space. Um, the old club was called the Scra- was called Scratch, named after Lee Scratch Perry, and the new club I started DJing it was called the Mix. Um, and we launched that in goodness, it must have been about April 1983, I think that that opened. And I was, so I was the resident DJ playing three nights a week, up to ten, twelve hours a night. So we would open you know, nine o'clock at night, and we would close literally until, were, we would stay up until there were about five people left on the dance floor. So it, some nights there were really long shifts. <laughs> um, and it, it all sort of uh, it snowballed from there. And I, then I, I sort of went to do a few different clubs. But in South Africa in those days, we were all conscripted into, into doing national service. All white males uh, above a certain age were conscripted into doing national service. So at some point in time, I was going to have to do this unless I left the country. The one way you could sort of, um, sort of avoid it was to be a perpetual student, which is what I became. So for four years, I, 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 I did as little work as possible, but just kept my education going, just so I could just keep out of the army. Um, so I, you know, I've sort of got up to second year level in ten subjects type thing. It's one of those, one of those things you just got to keep going. Um, I, I then got approached by um, a young friend of mine, Alan, who used to come to to the nightclub, and he he came to me one night and said, "Mark, I've just you know I've inherited a lot of money in England. Um, I've just travelled the world recently. I'm going to go back again. I'm going to you know I've just been to New York. I've been to the Saint. I've been to all you know all these clubs." And he was really into hip hop culture. He was a, a break dancer and stuff like that. But he said, "You know, I'm going again in about three weeks' time. Do you want to come with me?" And I went, what? You talk, you're joking with me. And he said, no, 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 come, I'll meet me tomorrow and we'll go to the travel agents. And I went, met him the next day and he said, and we walked into the travel agents and booked tickets to come to the UK in three weeks' time. And I was like, oh, okay, I haven't even got a passport. <laughs> um, I, you know, I didn't expect to be leaving this soon. Um, I was in a long-term relationship and I literally, literally dropped everything and came to the UK. Um, a little, spent a lot of time in London. Well, I spent 18 months in London, um, in, in the squat scene there. I tried to get DJing work, 
Um, you know, just before I left South Africa, I was cited as the best DJ in South Africa in the Sunday Times. But no one, it was, it was the late 80s. I came here in 87. And uh, it, no one really um, liked South Africans very much in those days. And uh, spitting image songs really didn't do our, uh, our, our sort of uh, profile any good either. So, you know, it, it was very difficult for me. The only clubs that would give me any work was I was squatting in Hackney, as I said, that were sort of the Ghanaian or the Sierra Leonese clubs and stuff like that. So I was playing um, that sort of music, high life and, and, and juju music and all, all, all sorts of stuff like that uh, in those sort of clubs. But um, in terms of um, dance music clubs or indie clubs and stuff like that, no chance. Um, because I'd, I'd started buying house music in about 86, the year before. Um, but it, essentially the clubs I was playing in were indie clubs. But we were, we were mixing it up. So we would be indie, electro, African music, a lot of reggae as well, um, punk. Um, you know, it, it would be all sort of left of field music. We no, no pop music whatsoever. I mean, occasionally I'd slip in a Madonna record because I, I did like early Madonna a lot. Um, so um, I, en- I eventually ended up um, living in Manchester through meeting someone at the Edinburgh Festival. And um, they invited me up to Manchester one night to go see, I went to see New Order, Happy Mondays. And I think it was a certain ratio at what was then called the GMEX. And um, I remember coming up on the train from London. It was raining. <laughs> and, you know, the typical, you know, absolutely archetypal image of Manchester, raining very heavily. Ended up in um, a pub, I think you remember it, it's called the Britain's Protection. I do, I do, yes. Where the landlord was extremely rude to me. Um, you know, you can't have your backpack in here type thing. And all this, you know. It was, a tiny, it was a tiny place, Mark. It was a tiny yeah, pub. Yeah, 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 it was rather. But, but it, was, it was, you know, it was just quite aggressive, you know, which is, you know, which I... I I grew to really like about Manchester. It had that, that sort of slight aggression to it or forwardness to it, which is, you know, I really, really liked. Um, but it was, you know, it was quite an interesting introduction. And I, but I, so I went to, went to the gig and then afterwards we ended up at the uh, the PSV club, the oh, old... Yes, a classic uh, club in the Hume district of Manchester. I remember it well myself. Yes, yes. And, and, and I absolutely fell in love with Manchester straight away. Immediately fell in love with Manchester. The, the architecture, the people, the, the vibe. They say that, that real drive. Mancunians had that real drive to them. And the, the creative energy that was there was just immense. Um, and I, I, I was working in direct marketing. In, I, was, I was you know, pretty high up in direct marketing down in London. I just went came back down to London, I went, I'm going, with, I'm going to live in Manchester. <laughs> um, and I, I, I dropped my job in, 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 um, in, in London, and, and within three months I was living in, in Manchester. Um, and I started seeing a woman who had a, a, a stall in the uh, epicentre of it all, uh, Aflex Palace, which I'm sure you'll remember very well. It was for, for listeners, of course, a lot of people are going to be thinking, this sounds awesome, but I've, I've never been there. It was a multi, it still is actually, a multi-floored, mm. old, it was an old department store that was called Aflex Palace because that was its original name when it was a department store. So the yeah. kind of Macy's style place back in the day, of course, are very different. But it was an old multi-floored store and it had become a very, like you say, the hub of kind of alternative living with lots and lots of tiny holdings, really. Lots of tiny stalls and lots of tiny, tiny um, yeah, ventures. Yeah, lots of independent traders. Yeah, all under to... one roof. So you could get yeah. everything from incense it's where, Mad- to... it's where Manchester came from. Manchester with Lu- with um, Leo B and his um, what, identity and all the... That's uh, right, the, yeah. The Manchester t-shirts came out of there. And there was uh, Eastern, Eastern Block, Block Records. Their, yep, their one of the early stores right downstairs before they moved across the road. Um, it, yeah, it was re- the real epicenter. So I, so basically she had the sta- stall in there and I bought that off. Uh, and I, so I, st- 
I suddenly was thrown into the center of, of Mancunian culture um, as soon as I moved there. And, I, and through that, got to me, meet a lot of movies and shakers and stuff like that. Um, but And... Um, Started spending a lot of time at the hacienda. <laughs> shall we say? If you were, if you were, if you had a pulse uh, and you were below the age of thirty at that point in Manchester's existence, you spent a lot of time at the hacienda, right? That was the that Indeed. was the rule. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Um, and 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 always on the dance floor. You know, I was always dancing. I loved dancing stuff like that. So um, not particularly good, but hey, I love it. Uh, um, and. I started, to, I, I, I did a few little sort of one-off things DJing. I sort of, uh, I think the first thing I did was with um, Greg Fenton, in fact, um, who then went on to do, do other things. And we just did one-off, two one-off things. And then one night I was out, I think it could have been a New Year's Eve, and I was particularly inebriated, and I, we were at some part, some illegal party somewhere, and the police had shut it down. And t- me being typically South African and uh, of the political leanings that I have, um, I, I have, you know, real dis- disdain for authority and, and stuff like that. And obviously I, I, I started getting a bit lippy towards the police, saying, you know, you can't close this down, blah, 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 blah. And, it, 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 you know, they were, you know, get the hell out of here. You, you know, you're not meant to be here. Um, and, and Adrian saw this all happening and he came over and sort of catered the situation and sort of dragged me off and and that's one of the first times where we had met adrian so tell us about adrian because you were known as the twins literally the the loved up twins so so you became close quite quickly tell us his background Hmm. a little bit about where he came from adrian adrian was a born and bred mancunian a sports city for his sins um (laughs) you know i'm i'm united but um, yeah, so he's he's born and bred Mancunian. He was he so he again is, is a real music geek. Um, and Adrian, if you hope you don't mind, doesn't mind me saying that, but um, he um, he was DJing at the gallery and places like that. So he was resident at the gallery um, at that stage. Also, he was DJing with Justin Robertson. So he was Justin Robertson's warm up DJ at most. I think yeah, most excellent and um, yeah. So so a, a, and he worked in Vinyl Exchange as well. So he was a very connected. So it's, it's very good sometimes, isn't it, when you're in a place where you you're not mm. from there to have someone who's the absolute opposite uh, as your partner. So you kind of he provided the kind of the kind of local link that I guess was was important in your partnership. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and 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 bet- you know between us we 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 had ev- almost everything covered, if you know what I mean. Um, where where I'd wor- I'd worked in the corporate world, so I ca- I had a little bit more of a business sort of head on on my on me, uh, and and you know Adrian Adrian was the real music music. I mean I'm a, I'm a music music head, but you know to be perfectly honest, in the early days I couldn't mix for toffee. I'd you know I'd never owned a set of decks. Um, the decks we were using in South Africa were all belt driven. We still hadn't had direct dive drive decks, so I was very much learning on the job. Um, I, I never owned a set of decks until about five years ago, to be perfectly honest with you, because eventually it got so, so busy that uh, I just didn't have, to, I was never at home. You know, yeah, so you do, you're practicing in front of, a, in front of an exactly. audience, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I always thought that was the best way to do things as well, because I always felt that I was working that mix a little bit harder than anyone else, because it was the first time I was playing that mix or doing that mix. I hadn't practiced it. It wasn't something that that I did every day in day out and you know for three hours. It's it's something that I you know I had to really work at. So I was really concentrating and really really hard whenever I was whenever I was mixing. So and and, and to me it was fresh. It was always oh, okay. 
let's try to put that with the, together with that. And, and it, it always had that fresh appeal to me. Mm. So, um, so let's cover let's cover what happened next. Then, so you you kind of this was your first your first um, big kind of flush of success in the UK. The the, the loved up twins, as you were known, you know, yeah, it, was a, it was a wonderful yeah. time, wonderful time Absolutely for music. Yeah. A lot of people having a lot of success in DJing. Uh, a big wave to be ridden, and you guys rode it. Tell us some of the high points and and how long it lasted for. Yeah, so it. I mean, it just it it did all just came out of nowhere as well it wasn't pre or pre-planned or anything like that we were just we were just lucky we were in the right place at the right time and with the whole loved up concept we, we you know we had a concept in terms of uh, you know the, the, we used to dress the clubs up loads we used to give people free little uh, handmade hearts that we, you know that that are that the various people that came to our clubs had made we gave them sweets we you know we put everything so much back into the clubs and this whole um sort of concept really grabbed the attention of the uh the tensions of the uh, the editors of face and id magazine and they started writing about us loads so we were, we were we went literally went from 50 people in um at, at the chinese gambling den in, in chinatown to to 1500 people every when every wednesday night outside the venue on on woodward street you know just down the road from the hacienda mm. And that sort of, and we, we started booking in a lot of uh, guest DJs from, say, from London and from, from Glasgow. So we'd have the Slam Boys from Glasgow or Darren Emerson and, and Co. down from, 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 well, from London and stuff like that. And that obviously got us the attention of people in those sort of places as well. And they would reciprocate with the booking. So we would go up to Glasgow or to London or to wherever. And, 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 that's when that sort of whole what we used to call the Balearic network sort of started ex- expanding and growing and from that you know we we obviously exposed ourselves to a lot more people um the, the next nat- natural progression was to go into the studio um and so we went where did we go i think we went into k did we go into k class studio first i think and it was just literally oh no we we went we went and did a, a remix for three beat um, and I can't even remember the name of the track now. It was a really cheesy Italian track. Um, and and we, we did the remix, and then we were just sitting around the end of it, and, and we just chucked a few records together um, with, with our programmer. His name was Colin. And um, that became the basis of Good Time, our, our, our first single. Um, that caught the ear of uh, Mike at E-Block, and he, he then put us in K-Class's studio uh, in Chess, I think it was in Chester, and we finished it off in there, and and then Mike released that on his uh, on his label, uh, UFG, and that beca- that was God Pete Tong's essential new tune of the week and stuff like that, and again that then put us into the eyes of the record companies, and we started getting offered a load of remixes, so um so remix highlights would have been you know corona was rhythm of the night was number one for how many weeks we'd remixed that we remixed m people the charlatans uh womack and Wo- i mean the list goes on and on and on so more famous remixes would be soft house company what you need um i'm going blank here now <laughs> Sam Ellis Club Lonely is, is another another massive massive one. Yeah. Everyone, everyone should know, really. Um, yeah, and, and 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 so, I mean, everything was really a high. Not everything, but you know, the, it, I used to pinch myself all the time and go, "How the hell is this happening? How the hell am I, you know, come from the background I have in South Africa, and now I'm sitting here in um, Hong Kong." Um, playing Millennium's Eve, uh, supporting Whitney Houston. <laughs> 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 it's 
like, what's going on? Um, you know, so we, we, you know, we're the first people to break so many territories as well. And, um, you know, Russia, I, so many places in Russia that I went to DJ and, and, and I was the first pers- person from the West to go there and uh, stuff like that. And, and East, Southeast Asia, you know, in, in Indonesia, Philippines and places like that. It, it was just absolutely amazing. And But the, I suppose the main highlight of all of this is the bonds that we formed with people all over the world, the friendships we made. And those friendships exist to this day still. Um, and, and, and the camaraderie that we had with all the other DJs around, um, you know, you, that, that, that can never, ever be replaced. And, and to me, that's, that's the real highlight. Oh, you know, obviously playing the gigs, but, but the highlight is, is, is the bonding. And I guess, you know, as a kid from South Africa, as you said, uh, South Africa was, was not... It was not a place that had the respect of the world at the time with apartheid and so on. And clearly your yeah. anti-establishment leanings came from that, you know, your rejection of Absolutely. that. And, you're, and in the end, you're leaving the country. But, you know, still feeling like you were carrying the weight of that on your shoulders. I imagine the rave scene and I imagine being part of this family um, was kind of like uh, catharsis. It was a release from all that. It was acceptance finally. And that meant a lot to you, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Because yeah, because back in South Africa, we were we were known as the punks. <laughs> Anyone who dressed differently um, uh, or had a different sort of style haircut was as was a punk. Hey, you're punk. <laughs> and and people used to beat people up just for look for wearing certain clothes. Oh, that happened in Bracknell, Newtown, where I was brought up. That wasn't that <laughs> wasn't know? that wasn't exclusive to South Africa. Okay, good. good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but all right, listen. But like all good things, you know, these things do tend to to end. And, yeah. Um, I guess at some point um, in the two thousands, you kind of had a rethink, a crossroads. What 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 happened at this point? Yeah. So so basically, Adrian and I sort of went our separate ways right towards the end of the nineties. Um, we we just had a bad falling out and stuff like that. And uh, um, you know, we went our separate ways. I, I sort of uh, carried on DJing, but by this time, my my I was getting quite tired. Um, it, it it seems like a very glamorous lifestyle and and that sort of thing, but to do, to, be, to be doing it relentlessly for so many years was just it was taking its toll in terms of. You know, I, I like to be at home. I like to cook. I like to sleep in my own bed, stuff like that. And, and it just, I was just getting very, very tired of it all. Um, and I just got, I got offered an opportunity to come down to London, back to London, and, and start working on a, um, a massive big digital project, um, which I, t- I took with both hands. And that, that sort of gave me then the, the financial security not to have to go and DJ at some local pub and, you know, not denigrating that in any way. But it, it just... I didn't have to go out and DJ to, to earn money. And, and, and I felt like towards the end I was selling my soul a little bit and I, I just wasn't really into it. The, the music had taken a turn not to my liking as well. Um, and because we were, we were known as Loved Up, we were expected to play a certain type of music, which is, which is not necessarily where I was personally in my music taste. So, uh, you know, a lot of the trance sort of stuff and that sort of thing was... You know, it's okay, but it wasn't necessarily where I was musically. Mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm a househead. I'm really like house music, <laughs> and, you know, in, 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 it, and, and the trance and stuff was, was, and it was all getting a bit too fast for me, you know. It's, it's, <laughs> I'm sounding old, but, it, you know, it's all, the whole um, hard house thing was just, to me, it was just, I just couldn't get my head around that at, at all. You know, and 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 unfortunately, because we had the name Loved Up, we were sort of, and because we were grouped in with a certain 
bunch of DJs, we were sort of expected in a way to be playing that sort of music. Yeah. So, so for all these all these reasons, it kind of uh, and I guess having a with your background in the corporate world, with your kind of business background, anyway, it was easier than for some people to to move back into into very much so. And again, it was all contacts again that I had, and 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 I w- went into this project, and it was it was amazing. Um, and um, but the, the, basically, we, were, we the guy who was doing it. We were far way too ahead of our time. You know, if he had done this 15 years later, it would have been massive. What massive, was it massive. you were doing then? It's interesting. Tell so us. Basically, I was um, I, I, I was the so I was sorting sourcing. Con- so what he's, he was developing is, was a platform. The platform would be uh, there would be various. Um, Partitions within the platform sponsored by brands. Say, say Coca-Cola would take a a a, a, a section within there. Uh, the the users of the platform would have an avatar, so they would come in as an avatar, and they would come into these created worlds, um, and walk around the world, and then interact with the other users within there. And but within those worlds, you could have a cinema section. So you go into the cinema section. And you could watch, uh, say, um, trailers or movies or whatever. In the, in, in, in the music section, you would um, you'd be able to listen to new music. You'd be able to read reviews. You'd be able to check out DJ's charts, all that sort of thing. So my, my sort of role was to um, develop the content for the music sections. Um, but what we needed more than anything else was ubiquitous broadband. And in early 2000s, there was broadband was, was still very, very scarce. That's right, yeah, yeah. So, like, uh, like you say, ahead of its time, because, of course, nowadays... Yeah, yeah. Nowadays, yeah. that's how we live, so... Yeah. But so it, it, it was seen as a social platform empowered by brands um, with, with a cultural sort of uh, slant to it, basically. So, so the next, I guess the next big thing that would interest, interest us to talk about is mm. your kind of... Your kind of uh, life nowadays as a extremely successful uh, event DJ and certainly a wedding DJ, which is where you have put a lot of effort and, and, and achieved a lot of success. When did that start? How did you get yeah, into that? So, so, so that I'll tell you how that all came out. So that uh, there's actually another step just before that, which led almost into that. So, so basically, after a couple of years at, this, at, at working on that platform. I, I just thought it wasn't going anywhere, so I, I, I quit. I just, you know, I said to the guys, listen, guys, you know, really sorry, but I have to go. It's, 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 I'm, I'm twiddling my thumbs here. I'm bored. <laughs> I really got, I've got to move on. So um, I, I, I quit that job, and then I, um, I saw Job Advertising Music Week, and it, it, it asked for a project manager and for a DVD project. And I went, oh, what's this all about? Okay. So I, I applied, and I got an interview, and I went into the interview, and um, I walked in, and... Um, the chap that interviewed me was a guy called Simon, and he said, oh, I know you very well. I used to be a student in Manchester. come to your nights, and these are the best nights of my life. So I went, okay, great, brilliant. Tell me about your project. And what it was, was this, this was, I think, 2003, and um, their company had been approached by Pioneer DJ to be the content partner for the new DVJ, which was the digital uh, the video turntable. That's right, yeah. Um, because they had had a history with with Pioneer on the on their laser jukeboxes, so basically I got the job, and my job was then to set up a company called Mixmash, which we then supplied. Uh, we were the content partners for Pioneer for the DVJ throughout Europe, so we supplied the, the DVDs 
um, that, the, that the DJs would be playing on, on the DVJs. So I, I set that up, uh, the company from scratch, uh, for, for, for them and launched that. Um, and yeah, we be, we became the, the, the sort of the the main um, content supplier in Europe for for you know we we were the market leaders basically. Then the the sort of recession hit in two thousand and eight, uh, and basically the, the the DVJ didn't achieve great success, and the, the, all the other sort of um, the, the the other hardware products that were out there weren't doing it really. You know, the, the Newmark had one which was absolutely awful. Um, but you know, we, we had virtual DJ and stuff like that, and we were still doing um, so, so. So we were still doing DVDs instead of digital downloads. Yeah, physical media, physical, physical media. Yeah, sorry, yeah. yes. And 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 basically, I went to to my boss and I said, "Listen, you know, we, we've seen our sales literally half here in, in, in the recession. We need to do something. We need to go digital." And we sort of went semi-digital, but um, eventually, he just decided to pull the plug on on that part of the of the business. So I. I was uh, I was made redundant, um, and and I was suddenly thrown into the situation. Oh damn! What am I going to do now? <laughs> but through my redundancy, I I, I got quite a lot of money um, because I'd been there for quite a while, and I was obviously running the company. Um, and just before that, fortuitously, I'd been asked to go and DJ at a wedding. And at that time, I was living in Islington in London, and, and the wedding was literally down the road at a really lovely boutique hotel called the Zeta, um, which is just in Clerkenwell. And I went and did the wedding, and straight afterwards, the event manager came up to me and said, "That was brilliant. Will you be, will you be our um, will you be our resident DJ?" And I was quite very lucky affair about it because at that time I still had the other job. And I went, "Yeah, fine. Yeah, fine. That's okay. That's that's great. Excellent. Um, you know, ten minutes drive from my house." Um, and they supplied all the equipment, and I just turned up and did the weddings and 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 corporate events and stuff. And that's what sort of got me into it again. And then. From that, it just again, it just snowballed. Uh, you know, I didn't realise that that I was onto something. To be perfectly honest with you, um, and and people started recommending me more and more. And then when I suddenly saw the writing on the wall for my other job, I went, okay, I need to do something serious about this because this has been staring me in the face for quite some time. And now I need to develop this. So I I, I had you know got myself a website built, um, and and then basically undersold myself I, I i ran an adwords campaign and i i undersold myself in terms of the money i charged because i knew that the key to all of this was to get into the venues to show them what i could do and show them that the, 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 the level of talent that i had and that the, the that the, that the clients the couples were going to be very happy with me and that's what i did for the next two years and and I just built the brand up th- through that way, th- you know, just through relationships with the venues, relationships with with um, wedding professionals, and that and that sort of thing. Um, and and then slowly, you know, egg, move my prices up and stuff like that. But at the same time, I, I, I the wedding industry awards was just starting, and I think they'd done one year beforehand. And I, I went along specifically to a, a, an exhibition where I knew they were to go and meet them and talk to them and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and again, that really helped um, because the, I won <laughs> that year. I won best winning DJ in, in, in the UK or, or nationally in, 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 in Britain. So um, that obviously really, really helped things for me in terms of mar- from a marketing perspective. Um, and, and from that, then the inquiries obviously uplifted um, which, which resulted in me then taking on more DJs and becoming a multi-op sort of business as opposed to just me on my own. 
Um, and again, it's, it, it, completely unplanned. Everything's just snowballed beyond my wildest dreams very, very quickly. Um, there was a lot of hard work in there, you know, um, and, and, and yeah, it, it, it's, it's, I, I still love, love, love weddings. I absolutely love them. And how much do you do now, personally? How many weddings are you playing a year? I will only do about 40 weddings a year maximum, if that. And you're running the company as well, of course, so you've yes, got other DJs yes. working with you and so on. Yeah, so I have, I have seven, seven DJs working with me regularly. Um, over Christmas time, um, we, I'll have up to 16 to 20 DJs out in a night. Um, so, I, you know, through, through the years, I've, I've, I've accumulated various contracts with various uh, event uh, organizations and venues and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we... we over Christmas time we'll be extremely busy as well so DJing and music obviously has always been at the centre of your life in one mm. way or another but at some point then you kind of settle down and I guess you're um, you're, you're finding time to, to spend with your family and be the be the guy who gets to cook uh, for your passions every now and then and is that I'll be perfectly honest with you no <laughs> you <laughs> very s- difficult because um, I, 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 I last year in June I went back into the I did I did go back into the the music video market again with another company um, and I was um, I can't really talk about it um, wow but let, let's just say I lost everything um, and then last year I launched my own business uh, called WeMix which is uh, a digital download platform for music di- of music videos for DJs um, and that's it takes up a lot of my time because we are we are we are, we are producing unique content. Um, we're doing all the intro outro edits of the videos which DJs want. We're doing mm. the remixes. You know, we we we're, we're also the, the best platform in for 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 all DJs and VJs in Europe because we're doing a lot of uh, European content that no one else is doing. So we know German, Italian, Spanish, French. Uh, all that sort of stuff, uh, as well as keeping an eye on the Latin market, the country markets, and all that sort of stuff. So that, again, takes up... A, I've got a really good team of editors and, and, and people behind me, the video editors, audio editors, and stuff like that, but it takes a lot of time um, just all, sort all, organizing all that. Um, and so my idea is I'd like to step back a little bit more from the DJing. It'll be a little bit more choosy about what I do, but... Um, you know, at the moment, it's, it's all just, I haven't had the chance to really work it all out. <laughs> it's, just, it's rolling fast. So this, this, I'm getting a picture now. You kind of throw yourself into stuff and see what happens, see the opportunities, and you can't help yourself but, but roll with it, right? Yeah, and, I, and, 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 and I, 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 I just have an absolute drive to make sure it succeeds, and, and, and it's going to be the best that it, 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 you know, it's going to be the best in that market anything i do it has to be the best it has to be the most uh sort of uh, consumer centric or uh, user centric product um that i you know that i ha- that that's out there and yeah just it just has to be the best and i won't stop until it is the best and and we are seen as being the best so your your um drive into the wedding dj business and let's talk about that because we do have mm. a, lot of, a lot of people who are who are mobile event djs uh, yes. listen in and who are in our community who will be, in, be interested to hear your take on this yes. you, you know quite quickly you're winning awards and quite your, your company uh, has, has gone gone multi-op and you know it's, mm. it's reasonably successful uh, out yes. of the blocks what yeah. did you what what hole did you fill what did you see that other people weren't doing that allowed you to have this expansion and then build this high quality company in that in that space at, at that time, um, I, 
I, I, I, and, and it still exists to, to this day, unfortunately. Um, I, 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 the, 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 you, it, it's a perception of image. So in terms of um, a lot of uh, couples were, the, and, and, and generally, the, the, you know, P- Peter Kay, bless him, I thought he amazing, got a spot on Phoenix Nights um, for, for, for the English people. But the, the, um, the perception of a wedding DJ was so, so low and and they'd really imagined um you know someone shabbering out with these three these three traffic lights you know so it was it was firstly to modernize that image and but also get that whole get it across to 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 to, to couples i think certain people were doing certain things but no one at that time yet had really properly grasped a really modern website with a really modern presentation of the of the actual um, talent and the actual service, um, some people maybe had a slick website, but were weren't very good on the other. St- you know what I mean? It, it, it was taking a 360 look at the whole business and and presenting uh, a fully formed um, product to, to to the couples. Um, and 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 by so at the beginning, I standardised the brand look as well. So it is quite interesting to this day. Photographers will, photographers will walk into a venue and go, "That's mighty fine. That's mighty fine entertainment." They know straight away from the look that it's it's it's, it's a mighty fine wedding. Uh, my, and um, so that that was quite important to me. And but also what I what I thought and what I could see as well was that a lot of DJs were not listening to their couples. It's it, it's not my wedding. It's 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 the couple's wedding, and 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 as far as I'm concerned, we need to really deliver on the personal tastes of the couple. So we would, you know, what do you want the DJ setup to look like? What would you like the lighting to be like? Would you like white only lighting? Would you like colours? Would you like gobos? Would you like this? Would you like that? So we were offering them choices instead of dictating to them this is how it's going to be and you see this a lot still on 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 dj facebook facebook groups i'm not having i'm not taking requests from the couple they i they need to trust me as being the expert <laughs> what sort of arrogance what sort of what puts you in that frame of mind that you think that you're going to know their guests better than than you know, than they do you know and I, I i don't get it so it was it was all about listening you listen 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 to what your couples want and you ask why you know you do, you do ask what, why do you want to do it like that what what you know and and they might come up with some some idea that was that's really old and then because it's always been done like that but well have you thought about doing it like this and we were, i think quite lucky as well at the time when i was starting a lot of the americans were coming over here doing training um, and so we were learning a lot from from Jim Cerrone, Peter Mary, um, the, the, those sort of people, um, and and the books that they were writing, um, and and the, the guy called, in the UK called Derek Pingelli as well. Um, so the, again, I think quite a nice perfect storm of 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 things were happening around me, and I managed to see a way through that to make it. Um, clean clean basically clean and personalized and you have a team of djs now and again Mm. this is kind of for the benefit of the djs who are listening to this who think i've worked with some god-awful companies where they just they they create clones they just say we want you to do this and that and so on and you know how do you how's your relationship with the djs you work with do you find people who share your values and give them um freedom or how does that work i am it's 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 
<laughs> I, I stalk them on Facebook for a long time <laughs> without them knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, um, basically, I watch their interaction. To me, it's all about customer service. And it's, it's about timely, friendly, helpful customer service. Um, and uh, to me, as well, the DJing is taken as a given. Um, it's, it, you know, you've got, to, you, you've got to be able to mix um, uh, to, to a reasonable level start off with at least um you've got to obviously have a very good music t- um, a broad music taste you must be prepared to listen to people but it's it, it's all about the it's all about the service making sure you provide timely helpful responses to to inquiries uh because what happens is i i generally hand over as soon as the booking is taken we i hand that over to the dj and he has to then or she has to take ownership of that of that um, of that uh, wedding or event. Um, I haven't got time to micromanage everything. I have, I have a code of conduct and a set of guidelines which the DJs have to sign and a contract, obviously, which they have to sign. Um, and, and I will keep an eye on everything um, just to make sure things are running smoothly. I will occasionally check in with the couple or with the client and say, is everything going fine? You know, are you happy with so-and-so? Uh, anything I can help with? Um, it's it's so important to me. It's my brand. It's it's my baby. I, I and I'd be mortified if anything went wrong. Mm. Um, you know, it's 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 it's, it's because I've, I've provided the DJs with the tools. We have very comprehensive planning tools within our admin system, um, with with very long questionnaires which cover everything. You know, the finest finest of details. So there's no reason why anything should ever go wrong because I've provided the tools for everybody to make sure that this all works. Awesome. So um, we'll link to your website so people can check out what you do underneath. Uh, but I just wanted to, as we kind of draw into the end of our, of our time mm. on this podcast, I just wanted to ask you, you know, you've just highlighted two directions, your, your yes. digital video um, uh, services and also your, your entertainment, your, your event business. Yes. Which one do you think you'll still be doing in 10 years? Or, or do you think something else would have come along and you'd have pivoted again? <laughs> Don't, <laughs> don't. <laughs> I've got more than enough on my plate as it is. Um, honestly, both of them, both of them. Um, I, I would, um, I would, I'm putting most of my energy at the moment into the download service um, because it, it's still, it's only a year and a half old and we still have a lot of development to do. Um, and I've got so many ideas there as well, um, which will really um, shake up the whole industry. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm working on those. Um, the, 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 with the with the entertainment side of stuff, I see that more developing, and I'm doing it at the moment. I'm developing more into an, an entertainment agency. So we're 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 pushing now into bands and and musicians and and acts, but also more of a production company. So ev- you know the event production. So yes, we're doing, yeah. We're doing AV and 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 stages and dance floors and that sort of stuff as well so uh, i guess my final question is you know mm. you're you're from south africa ever yeah. e- ever got any leanings any wishes to go back there the place has changed beyond recognition since you left of course none whatsoever um perfectly honestly um, my, my my family's is all pretty much here now or or past and um I, my my wife is english um she i i, I love the place I absolutely love the place i really do uh but my wife um uh, it, uh, it finds it a little bit difficult. Um, she really does. She really struggles with the, with the poverty, and she struggles with the violence and and stuff like that. She she it really upsets her when she sees that. Um, 
So for the, for that for that main reason, no, never. No, you're 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 now uh, you're now fully. I'm fully britted up. Britted up, yeah. <laughs> Just as well with Brexit. You might have to stay there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, Mark, thank you very, very much for sharing your story. Oh, thank it's been you a, so much. Very, on a personal it's been a level. Pleasure. Thank you for allowing me the, uh, the, the platform yeah. to share. It's just been good to talk to someone who, well, I can't believe our paths never crossed, but there you go. We, <laughs> no, we, I know. We, we put it right now. Uh, all right then, awesome. Thank you for being on Tales from the Dance Floor.